Hey, I'm Heather, a chaos coordinator and mom of three young kids. Chaos and cookies is literally my life, with never-ending dishes, laundry, you name it. Being a mom is a blessing, but it also comes with hard days too. Together, we can find the humor and real solutions to lighten your load and clean up the crumbs. You're listening to the Chaos and Cookies Podcast. Hello, hello. This is the Chaos and Cookies Podcast. We are talking health and wellness today. Uh, I have Dr. Jesse Haymeyer, uh, who is a physician and founder of Well Empowered with me today. We are going to have a great conversation. Uh, she practices data-driven outcome-oriented functional medicine. I've talked about this before uh, on this podcast with functional medicine and um, hormone health and, you know, um, all those different areas. And so I'm happy to expand upon that today. Um, Dr. Jesse also created uh, Well Empowered with one commitment in mind, and that's guiding you to create the health and vitality that transforms your experience of life and alters what is possible for you. How does Dr. H live true to this? Well, by taking root cause natural medicine approach uh, through working one-on-one with groups or in delivering corporate webinars, Dr. H provides the information, inspiration, and strategies needed to produce sustainable and transformative health outcomes. It's going to be a really fun conversation. Welcome, Jesse Haymeyer to the podcast. Hi, Dr. Jesse. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Heather. It's such a pleasure to be here with you and your tribe. Thank you for being here. We are going to be talking functional medicine. Um, I've had this uh, topic come up many times and it's always a popular, you know, request. So I'm excited to have you and touch on that. Um, But before we dive in, I'm going to ask you my icebreaker that I always ask. And I love asking health and wellness coaches this. Because it's kind of, it, it depends on how you'll take it. So we'll see. Um, what is your favorite cookie and or cookie memory? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, okay. My favorite cookie is a Siete cookie, Siete brand. Um, they're Mexican shortbread cookies. I really like, and I like them because they're delicious, but they're low in sugar and they don't have a whole lot of junk in them either. So just a couple of them really scratches the itch for just a little bit of sweetness here and there. Is it like a ginger, like a biscuit, like kind of like those Biscoffs or is it kind of like their version of a ginger? I feel like I might've seen them in the grocery. I don't know. They're not gingery. They're like more, I know what you mean. They're not gingery, but they're really like they're shortbready. But oh, they're, they're Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh-huh, yes. Awesome. Yeah, they're delicious. They're really yummy. And you're a grandmother. And so do you ever make them with, well, he's young, he's two. So he's a little like, peanut. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> not yet. Okay. Although I will admit I'm not much of a baker. So, yeah. but I, I'm sure at some point, I mean, what's more joyful than baking cookies when you're a little kid. So I will be, I will be delighted to bake cookies with my grandson and whoever else comes along. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And I ask it just because of the name of the show. I am I get people coming to me all the time. Like, where's your bakery? I'm like, I don't have one. Like, it's just a play on words. It's just a fun, fun question to ask, but I like to ask health and wellness coaches that especially because sometimes it's like, well, I don't really eat cookies. And I'm like, that's not true. Like, it's okay too. You can still have balance. 
when yeah. you're doing a regimen and you know, you can make them gluten-free, sugar-free, low sugar, all that. There's always things you can do. Absolutely. That's it's you're that's so well said. Exactly. You can find ways to enjoy all kinds of food and have it be, you know, a fit for what you're up to. Absolutely. So let's get a little background about you and how you um, became function, you know, getting into functional medicine and um, what you really love and like to teach. Yeah. So I always say straight lines are boring, Heather. I don't know if you can relate to that, but uh, fundamentally speaking, I made my way to where I am and what I do out of my own challenges with my health and my body over the years and really getting foundationally that when I feel my best and look my best, I'm able to be my best. And to me, that's what it's all about. And when I really had that aha moment around what it's all being around about being my best, and that to me means being fully present with others, being able to contribute to others, really experiencing fully the joy, wonder, and love in my life, right? When I really got that that's what my health was for, it not only shifted what was possible for me, but it also led me on a journey inside of my devotion to make the same thing available for others, right? So it led me to graduate school. It led me to two graduate degrees. It led me to um, become an IFM certified practitioner uh, and really, you know, fuels my day-to-day work and my practice now. Absolutely. I think, um, it's so true when you say it's like, if you're not your best self, you can't be the best for others. Um, I, I have not worked out and done my regimen since the kids got home from school in mid May, just because it's just been hard to juggle and get into like a groove because of like, I would go drop them off at school, come home, do my workout and then done do my day. Right. And do like meal prep and all that. And now that they were home for summer, and I had just moved. So it was, you know, new, new, new everything. Right. So I give grace. However, it's like, I feel like they go back next week and I'm just like, I could totally work out like now, but I always start on Mondays. I'm just OCD like that. So it's like, I'm not going to start on a Thursday, <laughs> like, even though it's silly, but getting back in my routine, just, I can tell my body is craving it. I'm not as like, just, you don't sleep as well. And so it really does come out quickly on when you make a change or just even pause your regimen. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, sometimes one of some of the best ways we can learn and get very clear on what works for us to show up as our best selves for ourselves and for others is by the contrast, you know, like what's life like? when I'm not in other words. Right. So, you know, it's a good, good learning opportunity. And, you know, my hope for everyone is that as they're in their journey, they take those learnings and use them to their advantage rather than using them to beat themselves up. Right. For not being perfect or something silly like that. Right. Right. And I know that in like, I've started and stopped quite a bit the last couple of years because of some life changes that I was going through. And now I'm finally able to just get into a steady state. So when they start school, I'm really excited to 
to really establish new habits and old with a new house and a new routine, new school, we're going to school. And um, so it'll be interesting to see. So I've also noticed like when my kids are not regulated with their regimen and they're, you know, we're just kind of flying by the seat of our pants for meals versus when they're planned and they're balanced. It's, you also see um, a different side in others, especially if they're under your care and then your tolerance, because if Mm -hmm. you're not your best self or they're not their best self, we're both real snippy. (laughs) Yeah. You're kind of ping-ponging off of each other. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Totally. So what are the common struggles that you come across with people that you work with? Well, in the way of the symptoms they show up with. Yeah. So why, so if someone were to want to come to you and ask you for advice, what is the trigger for them? Mm -hmm. And is it typically women, men is a nice balance between the two. I would say it's about 80% women and almost all of them in some way, shape or form, although not all of them, I would say about 90% of the people who I work with have at least as some component of what I like to call their must have health outcomes, handling their weight. In other words, losing weight and sustaining a weight that has them feel their best, look their best and be their best. Right. And it, in for a lot, most people, it's not just that, right. A lot of people also are dealing with digestive distress or a thyroid disorder or skin problems or hormonal shenanigans. Uh, but certainly that weight mastery is a common denominator for a lot of the people who I work with. Absolutely. And what is your uh, thoughts on basing it off of scale or feeling or how your clothes fit? Um, There's lots of different uh, theories out there. Yeah. Well, I like a variety of approaches. However, I am a, when I do work with people and this is when I work with people, it's a journey, right? So so there are a lot of different things we're incorporating into our work. And one of the things for people who have struggled with their weight for years or even decades, one of my commitments is that they really have a new relationship with the scale and they over time, and it is an overtime kind of a thing, are able to relate to weight in a different manner. So I'll just ask you, Heather, do you know what weight is? Oh, I should know this because this was my major, but uh, isn't it just, it's mass. Isn't it just the mass times acceleration close, right? (laughs) So mass times acceleration is our weight. Right. And so exactly what you're pointing to, it's, it's an equation, right. But how many people relate to the scale? Like it's an equation, right? Most people do not relate to the scale like that. Right. And so the scale, if someone's commitment is to lose weight, I have learned over time that weighing themselves in, and I work, I meet people where they are. So I don't have a, I'm not dogmatic in my approach. There are some people who will agree together. You're not weighing yourself for four weeks. Like you're just not right. And because, you know, like the scale's not magic actions produce outcomes, right? So when people are really have a long history of being in their head around the scale, we don't want to have that be central to our work. 
We want to guide people to begin taking the appropriate actions for themselves and their body. And then over time, we want to check in with the scale because numbers don't lie. And it gives us a chance to understand what's working and what's not Mm -hmm. right. Not all bodies respond the same way. Right. And there are many people who I work with for a variety, variety of physiological reasons who we actually need to shift physiology for them. And that can take four weeks, six weeks, even eight weeks for some people. And then eventually the scale starts to move and then it moves and it moves and it moves and it moves. But you know, the first thing is like, okay, you just, we're going to have to figure out what we need to do to shift those, the numbers we're seeing in labs and help the body shift to, uh, you know, like metabolism revved up versus foot on the metabolic brake, so to speak. Right. So, you know, it, it's just to say the cadence of weighing oneself does vary depending on who it is and what we're dealing with. But weight is, you know, if someone's looking to lose weight, how do we know unless we're weighing them, right? So weight is not the only way we know the body is making changes. But if someone's coming to me to lose weight, it will be part of the equation, mm-hmm. right? And I actually do have a, um, a specific kind of scale. It's called an in-body scale. And people who I work with, if they're in the city of Chicago, they can go use this in body scale. And what's special about it is that it actually helps us understand muscle mass versus body fat, as well as basal metabolic rate. So it does all kinds of really useful, fancy things beyond just, you know, stepping on a scale. Right. I love those scales. Mm -hmm. I will tell you all those other things because like my dad, for instance, told me the other day, I was looking very skinny and I was like, okay, sure. And it's like, I am because I'm losing my muscle mass because I'm not, I'm not lifting weights. I'm not doing anything differently other than being not as active as I usually am. And those scale, I don't use the scale. It's not one of my things I've, I did faster way of fat loss and did the, I've learned very much through that, that I listen to my body more. Like the first sign I know when something's working with a change is I sleep better. I sleep and I don't get up. That's, that's my first thing. Um, Great. Always noticed before, because you have to listen to what you have to see the external, like external internal changes. You can't just see just the weight because you have to see that there's other things. Like, do you feel better and check in? Because if those are yeses and it's like, okay, then what I'm doing is that is at least benefiting me in these ways, which will then result into having more energy and da, 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 da. Right. It's like a domino effect. Um, but the scale's going down for me because I'm losing my muscle mass. Cause I still like, I don't, I'm soft and not as like toned as what I'd like to, because, but that's something I know I can fix. But for others, it's like, Oh, thanks. I know it's like, no, Oh no, I don't want to be skinny. I want to be healthy. Yes. Awesome. Yep. Well said, really well said. So We've also had, um, uh, another doctor on this, on the podcast, she's a dear friend. Um, she, we were really honing in on the hormone piece of it. <clears throat> we are talking more like, uh, menopause, post-menopause, pre-menopause and how hormones have a, you know, you can't eat most of the time like you did when you were 20 
when you're 40 or 50, because your body chemistry changes and you should adapt and listen. Is that something you're also um, coming across a lot? Yeah, definitely. I mean, metabolism does shift with hormonal shifts. And so as women approach perimenopause and then postmenopause, right, their metabolism will, will slow down a little bit. And so what worked for them before will shift some definitely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if, um, when you have like your approach, how long do you typically work with clients? Do you take them through, um, I guess it's probably depends on the, on the person, but do you have a, a specific way that you like to focus on? Like you, you said journey, but it seemed like, like a hot, um, like a subject that you probably have, like, do you have steps? Yeah, I don't have specific. Well, fundamentally speaking, when I work with anyone, we start with what I call a health audit And this health audit is two appointments. And this health audit gives us a chance to see how we're working together in no reality. Should anyone expect to get, you know, everything they came to get out of a health audit, but it's a, it's where we start because we want to start by doing our investigative work. So the first appointment is really like detective work, uh, 90 minutes long. And I learn a lot about people and their health, where they've been, where they are, their family health history, where we're committed they be. And then in that conversation, I'm listening for missing puzzle pieces. And those missing puzzle pieces are labs. So we order labs and I get a lot of labs. I, you know, functional medicine is what a lot of the world knows this work as, but I also call it data-driven natural medicine because we use data to understand what is the barrier to the body healing or working in the way someone wants it to work, uh, as well as where are the points of leverage, where are the opportunities, right? So those, those labs, I have people complete between the first and the second appointment. And in that second appointment, we get back together. Education is a big part of my work. When I work with people, I let them know, you know, you want to think about this, this is like a class you're taking on your health and it's just customized for you. It's like a custom crafted class on your health. Like how cool is that? Right. Um, yeah. And then in that second appointment, if it feels like a productive fit, then we talk about what it would look like to work together beyond that. And for most people, it's about a six month engagement after those first two appointments. And my, my wish for everyone over time is to transition into annual appointments. Right. And for some people that will be, that'll be possible after four months. So for, for some people that'll be possible after six months, for some people, We'll go from, you know, working together on a weekly or bi-monthly basis to quarterly appointments or biannual. It really depends on where they're starting from, right? And, and what progress tracking we want to do and that progress tracking besides conversation and hearing how someone's feeling and doing um, also includes repeating labs. Mm-hmm. And is there such thing as too much information? Uh, yeah, I think there is. That's a good question, right? Cause there will be people who, you know, like they want to do a microbiome. you know, there's, there's the information I find essential. And then there can be information that people would like, um, that maybe is interesting, but not essential. Uh, that's going to be different. That's going to differ for different people, but absolutely. When I start approaching 
three, you know, our standard labs plus three specialty lab tests. Let's just say, hypothetically speaking, someone's doing a microbiome assessment and a food sensitivity test and an adrenal and sex hormone assessment. It is, it can be overwhelming to integrate all of those, right? So I like to start with where is our low hanging fruit that's going to produce spiral up benefits, right? And that's going to vary depending on the person. And so that first conversation really is at least partially designed to figuring out what are the essential puzzle pieces we need right now. We can always get more, we can always go back and do more labs, but let's get the essential ones that we think are going to really shape our trajectory forward. In other words, help us understand the essential next steps, and then we can build on those over time. Right. Because I think analysis paralysis to get too much information, or sometimes they might, I mean, you might get a person that fixates on one thing where they can't then look past it and they fixate, well, this, 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 and it's like, but that's okay because we're going to work on this. And so, you know, maybe just, it's probably person by person, but you have to be gentle, I'm sure on how much info or how much emphasis you put on certain things. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And you know, like in this day and age, there's so much, there's information overwhelm, Heather, right? I mean, all of us confronted in some way, shape or form, but you know, like to your point, I'll be in, I'll start working with someone who's asking about like the minutia of nutrition. I'm like, we are not there yet. Like you, we've got, so we've got a lot of other low hanging fruit to focus on. And like, you know, maybe someday we'll get there, but like, let's just focus on these because this is going to shift your world radically. And when it's appropriate to level up and take on something new, we'll do that. Right. But right now, this is where we're, this is where we want to start. And maybe even the nutrition might come into play early on to, 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 you know, take down levels of cholesterol or take levels down, you know, insulin, you know, all, you know, glycemic index, all those things. So it could come into play. I mean, it's very important. Do you have a theory or, um, what's your stand? I have two questions. One is gluten-free, dairy-free. Is it something Mm -hmm. that you personally do because might be a sensitivity just might be because that's something that you like to to cut out because of inflammation and other things, or how, what's your stance on that? I know it's individual, but yeah, yeah, it is individual. You're totally right. So um, I do not believe everyone in the world needs to avoid gluten. However, a lot of people do better avoiding or minimizing gluten, right? In and I still don't tell everyone to completely avoid gluten because it's just not necessary to that capacity, right? There are definitely some key red flags that I look for. If someone has an autoimmune thyroid condition, hands down, gluten is going to be a high on the list to remove and eliminate completely. And that's because it perpetuates the autoimmune attack on the thyroid by way of what's called molecular molecular mimicry. And that's really a fancy term for like case of mistaken identity. And, you know, what I mean by that is gluten looks a lot like the thyroid. And so when people have an autoimmune disorder, Hashimoto's thyroiditis, or which is the fancy term for hypothyroidism, most people who have hypothyroidism in the US have that or Graves disease, which is hyperactive thyroid, hyperthyroidism, either one of those, the immune system is attacking 
the thyroid in some capacity, right? And so when we consume gluten, gluten looks a lot like your thyroid. That's the mimicry part, right? It mimics your thyroid on a molecular level. And so your body's going to increase its attack on you when you consume gluten. It's like a case of mistaken identity there, right? And so the way we know this is effective is we actually measure antibodies out of the gate. We pull out gluten and then we watch it. Those antibodies come down and it's, it's, it's so fun. It is like so fun to repeat thyroid antibodies on someone who has been eating gluten and been saying like, I don't know, do I really have to Right? It's like, well, I, I mean, I think it's going to make a difference for your autoimmune condition. And, and the big thing with that isn't so much that we're um, committed to a future where someone doesn't need thyroid medication. Cause that's, that's unlikely for most people, not everyone, but unlikely for most people. Uh, but what we really care most about is retraining your immune system, because once someone has one autoimmune condition, they're more likely to develop others. Nobody wants that. So let's help your immune system be a bit more tamer, a little bit more gentle on you not go after you as much. And that's one tool we have. So I know I kind of went on a little hiatus there with that gluten question, but that's just an example of one situation where I would say, okay, we really, I'm going to really be a champion for you pulling out gluten completely. Yeah. Cause I don't mean like my daughter is eight, she's had vitiligo and it spreads Mm -hmm. and we've treated it with phototherapy and creams and all the things. Cause she's so young. You can't really do more. And I've looked into diets and looked into eliminating things, nightshades, but she doesn't really do that anyway. So a lot of the foods that were on there, which again, she's eight, we found it when she was three. It's not Mm. like, but you know, interestingly, I mean, it's not something you can reverse, you can reverse it, but you can bring pigment back. It's just a matter of it sticking with her. And, um, it's stuck on some places on her body where it hasn't come back, but others, it just, you know, and she, she doesn't uh, want to treat it anymore. She likes, she's proud of her spots. She thinks it's cool. It's not, my whole thing is if it goes to her face, she might feel a little bit more, um, yeah. you know, self-conscious because she's, she's getting up there, like into the grade level where you're going to start getting friends that are girls a bit. Um, any, any recommendations there on that type of autoimmune? I know it's derma, a lot derma, dermatological, but, um, anything there, but it is still autoimmune in nature. So you you're totally right, Heather. Um, I mean, you could do a food sensitivity test on her. I would start to think about that, right? Cause I was talking about gluten as it relates to the thyroid, but with vitiligo, I would think more about, yeah, gluten's certainly a common, you know, irritant for most people, right. Uh, well with autoimmune conditions, but it very well could be multiple things for her. So doing a food sensitivity test, I don't do food sensitivity tests on most people really, but there are certain situations where I find them useful. Um, and there are a few different brands that I like. One of them is uh, precision point diagnostics. They have a finger prick one out now. Uh, and I, what I really like about it, Heather, is that it looks at how your immune system might be reacting to foods in a variety of ways. So it looks at multiple antibodies and it also looks at, there are situations where, um, we could be producing a lot of antibodies, but we've got something protecting us from the damage. So it even takes that into account, which I really like about it. 
Um, it's called P88. It's the specific food sensitivity test. There are other good ones out there, but that's one I've been really liking lately. Awesome. I might uh, reach out to you about that because I've been trying to figure out a way to do it to where it's subtle for her, where she doesn't, she never really like cared about it. I brought more attention to it because I live in Texas. When you have no pigment, you burn and the sun's good for them, but it's A and B rays. And when you do phototherapy, it's just the healthy ones, but, and she gets real tan real fast. So she, I just want to protect those areas more so yeah. bring attention to them being, you know, unsightly or, or something wrong with her. Cause she's, they're very pretty. Um, and so wanting to make, and, and going to a photo therapy plate, we have our own one, but you got to sit for a while and she's eight. No one wants to sit still and then rubbing cream. And it's a lot of maintenance and not bringing attention to it. So I was hoping maybe you could bring some light into something else I could do subtly for her, where we can maybe help her in other ways where she doesn't feel like that's what it's for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So definitely the food sensitivity, sensitivity tests. And then you may already be doing this Heather, but I would also think about making sure her vitamin D levels are optimal as well as her omega-3 levels are optimal because both of those represent an opportunity to better train the immune system. So immune cells differentiate into ones that can attack us or not, fundamentally speaking. And so when vitamin D and omega-3s are in their sweet spot range, it helps our immune system be better at that process, producing more immune cells that can recognize us and therefore don't go after our tissues, right? Um, and so, you know, the vitamin D and omega-3s, those are just simple blood tests. Those are tests that her pediatrician should be able to order. Um, and then you just, you know, if you get those numbers, honestly, reach out to me. I'm happy to provide you my like, okay, here's what I'd recommend in the way of dose or form or whatever. Can you do vitamin D as a supplement? I, oh yeah. Vitamin yeah. D you can, yeah. Vitamin D is a, a pretty common supplement. It's one of the more common supplements that I work with. Um, and also, you know, omega threes it's vitamin D. I would say it's a lab that's done more commonly than omega threes, but you can test them both. And certainly you can supplement with them both, but you want to do the right dose for the person. In other words, there's definitely not a one size fits all with that. Um, so for example, my husband given by his vitamin D receptors, he just has different ones and he needs more vitamin D than me. We're both pretty pale. So it's not like a skin thing and absorption, right? Okay. Um, yeah. So he needs for, you know, he needs 5,000 IU a day, whereas I'm fine with like 5,000 IU a week. I just absorb it better. So right. everybody's a little bit different on that front and we want to find the right amount for the person. Most people are pretty vitamin D deficient, I believe. Yes. Yeah. 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 It's pretty common. Exactly. You guys in Texas are probably a little bit better <laughs> off, but still. It's but 105 still. here. We don't go outside when it's under. Yeah. Right. Oh my gosh. Seriously. And then, you know, if you're like, your skin's gorgeous, Heather. So I know you're protecting it, which means that you're not absorbing vitamin D. No problem. You just want to make sure you're supplementing appropriately for your body's needs. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, well, thank you for that. And I guess my last question is there's a hot topic. I'm sure people have come to you is like the, um, weight loss meds with like Ozempic and yes. the other, the, Wagovi, Manjaro, yeah. all those ones <laughs> people are starting to take for weight loss because a lot of yeah. celebrities are promoting it or it's mm -hmm. being geared toward them. Maybe they're not even promoting it. It might be spam, but people, and I know there's a shortage now for people that actually do need it that are insulin dependent. And so what have you found with people that 
are either coming to you that are already on it, maybe have tried it, might want to leave your services to go do it instead. Like quick mm-hmm. fixes is what everyone wants. Yeah. I mean, I, I, first of all, I see my job. Well, the word doctor comes from docere, which is Latin for to teach. So my wish is for anyone, you know, for people to make choices with their eyes wide open. Right. And sure. I might have a wish or an opinion for what they might choose, but at the end of the day, if they're making a choice with their eyes wide open, I'm going to respect it period. Absolutely. So when it comes to those weight loss drugs, um, it's certainly not that I don't think they have any place in the world. My biggest concern comes from the truth that to get the outcome, you need to continue doing the action. And in this case, the action is taking the medication, right? Currently it's available via a shot. So using, you know, the shot, taking the shot, right? So to get the outcome, you need to continue doing that. And, you know, there are unknowable unknowns. We don't know what the consequence is of being on Monjaro for two decades or three decades or four decades, because nobody's done it so far, right? That's, they've been around, you know, they're not like two years old. They've been around for some time, but we haven't had masses of people on these drugs for year after year, decade after decade. It would be a real surprise if we didn't learn that they're doing something people don't want, right? They aren't caught that, you know, it would be a real surprise if there's all upside and no downside. It would, and I say that because it's never happened before, right? It's just never happened, right? And most people with the nausea or the GI distress, they usually work their way through it and they get out on the other side of it. So, you know, that's fine. But we're talking about like year after year or decade after decade of taking these things. If you want to get the outcome, that's the future that you're going to have to commit to. And if not, just know that you're going to get short-term outcomes and that's the game you're playing, right? And so, so there's that part of it. And then there is the other part of it who, you know, sometimes people will say, well, I just want to jumpstart my weight loss, right? I'm frustrated. I'm overwhelmed. I'm upset. I'm just absolutely feeling, you know, like there's no way out. Okay. Well, certainly I never want anyone to feel like that. But what I would say is that it's when someone's in that space and they're not taking actions that will produce new outcomes, it's unlikely that when they have the quick fix shot, that they're going to start taking, you know, they're going to make the modifications that ultimately will allow them to come off of it and sustain the outcomes. Not impossible, just unlikely. Right. Well, you do quick fixes. You're not changing the behavior that's happening. You're just doing quick fix and continuing the normal day to day. Obviously that wasn't working. This is going to help, but if you get off of it, it's just going to go right back. And then the yo-yo begins and all the things, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I really do see mastering one's weight as a sacred journey. So it's an interesting thing that, you know, for me, not only are you not learning something new and getting new tools such that you can be, uh, you know, fully voting for your health, you are also forfeiting the opportunity to really expand who you are in so many different ways. And listen, I really do know personally what it's like to struggle with weight. You know, I 
grew up dancing and that was a big part of my life. And it wasn't until I was in, you know, 26, 27, having struggled with my weight for 14 years or so that I really committed to drawing a line in the sand and moving ahead from a place of self-love rather than self-aggression. And to me, it's like, let's make that shift the conversation. Let's make that conversation shift, you know, shift and guide people such that they gather the tools, the information, they gather the strategies, but they also practice coming from a place of self-love. It's just, you know, it's just such a gift for me to be part of people's journey who really step into that. And it's, it's just, it's awesome for people to begin to know themselves in a whole new way. Yes, that's right. And also you never know where it'll lead you. You know, maybe you never tried to go cardio, weightlifting, whatever, and it could lead you into other things. You just never know because you never really explored it before because you always just kind of put yourself in that box. And so, you know, trying new things isn't always a bad thing. It's hard. Change is hard, but not always bad. And so I think staying open to it but you have to be ready for it. Like when you do these types of things and you are ready to ask for help, you have to do it for you. You can't do it for others. You have to be ready to make the switch because if you're not in that mindset and you're not ready, it won't work and, or it won't happen as fast, right? Because you're the one has to do the work and be there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So if someone were ready or wanted to, to reach out to you, where can they find you? I know that you also have something coming up this fall. Um, give us all that information. Yeah. Thanks, Heather. So you can find me on my website at Well Empowered, where you can are welcome, invited, wanted to schedule a free 30-minute Zoom consultation to explore working together, whether it's one-on-one or, as you mentioned, one of my upcoming courses. I'm going to be offering a weight loss mastery course this fall. So uh, pop into a Zoom together. We can talk about it a little bit more. And as a, an expression of gratitude to you, Heather, uh, all of your listeners, please be sure to mention where you heard about me because you will be receiving 10% off if you do choose to move ahead and working together, whether it's one-on-one or in one of my courses. That's amazing. Thank you. It's so that's so generous. And, um, I know that some listeners are definitely going to be exploring that. That's a very heavy, um, this is a very hot topic for my listeners and it's in their realm. So I really encourage everyone to go and see Dr. Jesse and, and, uh, check out her course, check out her stuff, have a 30 minute free zoom call. I mean, heck why not? Can't hurt. Absolutely. And I guess I should also mention I'm on Instagram at well empowered. I forget those social media things. Sometimes I'm like, Oh yeah, I do do that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and a lot of people, you know, we'll, we'll share, we'll follow all the links will be in the show notes. So everyone can click on that and make sure you guys can take advantage of that 10% if that's something you guys want to explore. Um, and again, all of that will be in the show notes. And I really am so grateful for you to be here on the show and share your, your knowledge and give some advice. And I asked a lot of questions. So, um, I really do appreciate you taking the time. Thank you so much, Heather. It's been a treat being with you and, um, have a great rest of your day. Thank you. And thank you for listening to another episode of the chaos and cookies podcast. Don't forget to share it with your friends, leave comments, 
reach out to uh, me and you know our, my guests always love hearing back as well and uh, we will catch you on the next one thanks for listening thank you for listening to the chaos and cookies podcast if you want more goodies and friends to share them with follow the crumbs to the facebook group or visit the chaos and cookies website to grab my sweet secrets on how to calm your cookies don't forget to leave us a five-star review on itunes see y'all next week for another episode of chaos and cookies